this is week two of our 40 Days of Love campaign. We had our initial sermon last week. I kicked it off, and then our groups met together. We've got like 40 different groups going on uh, every night of the week all over the place. Uh, and, uh, and so they had our groups had their initial meeting this week, just kind of getting to know everybody and, and hearing each other's stories and kind of getting ready. Uh, this week, the groups are going to start getting into, the, getting into the lessons and watching videos and, and doing the devotional that come in the booklet every single day. This is an opportunity. I think it's a great opportunity for us as individuals and for us as a church to become more intentional about getting better at love. That's what it is. A couple months for us to really focus on love. How can we better receive God's love? And then how can we give away the love that God is filling us up with? And if you remember last week, I... Um, it's nice, by the way, we baptized 32 people last week. It's nice to not be soaking wet when I'm preaching. So I was, I was, I was soaking wet last week when I was preaching, but I'm dry now. But last week we started the message with, uh, with this conversation that Jesus had with somebody. When somebody came up to Jesus and said, hey, could you break down the law for me? There's so many laws that are in the, in the Bible. What, what's the most important one? And so Jesus said, yeah, I can do that. I'm going to actually give you two phrases. And if you get this, you get life. He said, Matthew 22, verse 36, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. The second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. So what Jesus is saying is that there are two things that matter most in life. Love God with everything you are, and then love the people around you. That's what life is all about. He says, if you get these two things, you are successful at life. From God's perspective, that's what matters. That's what life is really all about. We get, you know, 70, 80, 90 years, you know, on this earth. And what God wants to do is he wants to teach us how to love. That's the macro. That's the big picture thing that God is up to. And so what God will do is he wants us first have to know how to love him, that we have a, a relationship with him where we love him with our heart, our soul, our mind, all that we are. And we go through 90 years or whatever of life and there's twists and turns and there's, there's, there's high highs and there's low lows. And God's like, will you love me through it all? And then he also wants us to learn how to love one another. And so we live in this, you know, difficult environment. And so you come across mean people. You come across selfish people, angry people, apathetic people, where, you know, and, and through all this, and then, of course, there's extra challenges. Every now and then, we're all those things to other people. And so how can we navigate all the twists and turns, growing in love, learning to love? That's what life is all about. That's what it's all about. It's not about acquisition. It's not about accomplishment. It's not about achievement. Everything that we're tempted to give our life to uh, are things that are temporary, right? When you die, you're not taking your job with you. You're not taking your house with you. You're not taking, you know, all your, your plaques and your awards. You're not taking that with you. But what you are taking with you is you. You're taking your character with you. And so what God wants to do, the Bible says that he's conforming us into the image of his son. And what that's all about is that we're learning to live in love. And so as Jesus said, if we get that, we get life. But if we don't get that, if we make our life about all, other th all these other things, then we've wasted our life. 
And so what I want to do, what I'm hoping we're going to do over the next few months is, you know, it says how long it takes to form a habit, that we will live differently as a result of these two months, as a result of the messages, as a result of the daily devotionals, as a result of the life groups, that we together will, will build love habits in our life. And so let me give you a couple things that I think can help you, because I want this to be something that you remember on Tuesday, you remember as the busyness of the week kind of gets, you know, gets happening, that you can say, let me remember what my priority is, what it's all about. And the first is this, the best use of life is love. That we would make loving God and loving others our main objective, our greatest ambition, more than anything else that we would say, my number one goal is to be better at loving, better at loving God, better at loving those around me. And we need to be intentional about it. It's not something that we can do, you know, just by putting a Hallmark card under our pillow at night and thinking it's going to seep in there. We've got to be intentional and say, I'm going to make some new habits in my life. And I think we talk a lot here about the abundant life that Jesus has for us. I love to say Jesus makes life better, makes us better at life. And that's going to happen as we live in love. As we commit ourselves to living the way God wants us to live and making love our priority, we're going to experience his abundant life. So here's, here's some of the blessings. Here's some of the things that come when we make love our highest aim. First, love integrates my life. Love integrates my life. In other words, love becomes the thing that connects and integrates all the other aspects of your life. Because we all have complicated lives. We've got different parts to our lives. You've got your social life your financial life, your church life, your work life, your sex life, your, your social media life, your friend life. And love, God wants love to be the thing that unites all the other parts of your life, that they kind of come together because they're just different environments and different ways for you to love. We need that. We need something that holds our life together because the reality is there's, there's a vacuum. And so you're going to make your life about something. And we know, like we've had times in our life where we've made our life about all these other things, or we see people making their life about other things. Lots of people make their life about their career. Like they just live to work. They just want to climb the corporate ladder. They want to be as successful as they can. Or there's lots of people who want to get rich. That's their goal in life. They just want to make as much money as they can, or, or they want to be attractive, or they want to be popular, or there's some hobby that dominates their life, or, or lots of parents make their lives about their kids. But the reality is, these things in our life, they're not bad, but it, they're not big enough for us to live for. And, and what happens to all of us is the winds and waves of life come, the storms come, and if something other than love is the center of our life where, you know what, it's not going to hold during the storm. You're not going to be on a firm enough foundation. If your life is about your career and inflation comes and, you know, who knows what's happening with the economy, maybe there's downsizing, you know, maybe you just, you're successful, but then you're retired and then that's the end of it. Or people make their life about their kids, like where their kids are the number one dominant, they're living for their kids. And you would say, well, that, isn't that what you're supposed to do as a parent? Yes, you're supposed to love your kids, but you're not supposed to live for your kids because one day your kids are going to grow up and your kids are going to, they're going to have families of their own. And if, and if you are living exclusively for your kids and your kids are 30, 40, 50, year old, 50 years old, you're getting a little weird. 
They may not want you around. I mean, you're going to put some, it's going to show up in some ways that you don't want it to show up. But the, the bigger thing is, is storms are going to come in life. And we need something strong enough in our life that will give us a foundation so that we can endure the winds and the waves that come. The only thing that's strong enough is love. If we say the foundation of my life is I want to love God, I want to know his love, and I want to give it away, then when the storms come, whatever they might be, you have a purpose. You know the plan. You say, okay, God, how do I love you through the storm? How do I love the people around me through this storm? The Bible says the only thing strong enough to do that, to give us the strength that we need is love. Love for God and love for each other. Colossians 3.14 says, Over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Love will bind your life together in perfect unity. You'll have a clear purpose, a clear goal. You'll know what your assignment is. The second thing is this. Love covers sin. Love covers sin, and this is really good news when we understand it. See, what it means, it has multiple meanings, but what it means is that when I blow it, when I sin, when my issues and my brokenness kind of manifest in ways, you know, where I just mess up, God's first question isn't, did Phil sin? Because God knows that through Jesus, he's dealt with my sin problem. Right? Through Jesus, he who knew no sin became sin so that I could become the righteousness of God. God's first question when I sin, when I blow it, is does Phil love me? That's what he's after. He says, I've taken care of the sin issue. I've taken care of it. You know, I, Jesus came and he died on the cross so our sins can be forgiven. He's, he, what he's after is our heart. And it says this in 1 Peter 4, 8, Above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. And so this has two meanings. Love covers. It's, it's a beautiful Bible verse. And at first it means that when you love Jesus Christ and you give him your life, that he wipes out all of your sin. His love covers our multitude of sins. Jesus paid the price. Jesus, when he went to the cross, he said, I want you to know how much I love you. For God so loved the world that he gave his son. And Jesus, when he hung on the cross, he said, this is how much I love you. I love you so that that barrier, the barrier of sin that can keep my love from getting into your life, that has been removed through what Jesus Christ has done. He's the one who paid the price. He's the one who paid the debt. His love covers the multitude of our sins. And this is very good news. This is worth giving an amen for. Because it says in Colossians 2.14, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us, he has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. The second meaning of love covers a multitude of sins means that once you've been forgiven, God gives you the power to forgive others. See, once you have received the love and grace and mercy of God, you're going to be able to let that love, mercy, and grace flow through your life to cover the sins of others. If you come across someone who is judgmental, who's self-righteous, who puts other people down, who's critical, who's negative, what we know is it means they're starving for love. And so you're able, you don't have to treat them the way that you're being treated by them because you're in touch with a higher power. You're in touch with something else. And so since you've received mercy, grace, and love, you're able to give it away to people who aren't acting in a way where it's easy to give it away. You know, it, it's going to flow through you even when somebody's trying to stop the flow. 
And the thing that I know from my life is I have times where my heart gets a little hard and, it's, and I find myself becoming angry and becoming critical. I know that the problem is, is I'm not keeping myself in the love of God. I need the eyes of my heart to be opened up, to be reminded how much grace, mercy, and forgiveness I've received from Him. And see, when we understand how much we've been forgiven, when we're walking in that love, then what that means is God is doing a deep work inside of you, and you're going you're gonna to start letting that grace and that forgiveness flow through you. You're going to find that you don't get as angry at people as you used to get. You're going to find that, uh, that you, become, you start becoming more accepting and less critical. You don't get as impatient with people as you used to get. You don't get as upset when somebody blows it because you know how many times you've blown it and you know the grace and mercy that you've received. And so now it's easier for the love that you've received to cover the sins of other people. I love the story of King David. Right, King David, he's one of the big characters in the Old Testament. He was, he was the king of Israel. He was kind of the, 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 the pinnacle of, of the Davidic, you know, the Davidic kingdom. That's what it's called because he was like the king. And, but when you look at his life, you realize that it's really, it's really interesting. He was given such honor that Jesus is called the son of David. One of the titles of Jesus is that he's the son of David. But when you look at his life and you read through Samuel and Kings, you realize that he's a guy who blew it a lot. I mean, like he really blew it. He had a lot of problems. He had a lot of issues. He was not a great dad. He was actually a pretty passive father. And so you read about things that happened with his kids. He didn't step in. He just kind of let it happen. And his family was kind of a mess for it. He committed some really serious sins. Probably the biggest one was one day he's up on a rooftop and he sees this pretty woman bathing at, on another rooftop. And he's like, ooh, she's pretty. Bring her to me. Now, the problem is Bathsheba was married to someone else, and her, her husband, Uriah, was on the battlefield, and so she has no choice. She comes to him. He sleeps with her. She gets pregnant, and so David's like, oops, I got to cover this up, and so he, he, uh, he has this scheme. He has this plan, and he says, bring Uriah. Let him come back from the battlefield. The king is summoning him, and he says, hey, Uriah, you've been working hard. Go enjoy your wife. Go be with your wife. But Uriah is such a good guy that he says, hey, you know what? My men are on the battlefield. I can't let them be on the battlefield and I have the comforts of home. So he slept in the hallway. And so David's like, oh, man, okay, that plan didn't work. So then what he does to cover, his, to cover up his sin is he sends Uriah back to the battlefield with instructions for him to be like put in the front and then everybody to pull back. So Uriah is killed in battle. So what David does is he commits adultery, then he murders someone to cover it up. And so this is kind of, when you really do a deep dive into David's life, you're like, this is kind of confounding. Because it's confounding because you're just like, how could he be called a man after God's heart? Right? Because honestly, someone like David with his background, if he came here to the North Jersey Vineyard Church, like he wouldn't be able to serve on Team Vineyard. Right? I mean, he wouldn't pass the background check. We'd be like, no, no, just, you just sit in the back for a little bit and we'll just kind of see what happens. But, but he, he's called a man after God's heart. And so that's kind of confusing. But I think the reason he was called a man after God's heart is when David blew it, when his humanity and his brokenness and his sin manifested in these egregious ways, you read the book of Psalms and a lot of the Psalms are him dealing with a sin. 
Like there's one psalm where he says, Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a steadfast spirit in me. Don't throw me away from your presence. That was right after he, re- when, when he was like, de- had a deal with what he did to Bathsheba and Uriah. And he was being, you know, and his, his, uh, his cry, his concern was, God, I don't want to be banished from your presence. Because even with all of his brokenness and sin, he loved God. He loved him through it all. And he said, God, listen, I blew it. I blew it big time. God, I need you. I still love you. Please help me. I'm trying to do what's right, but it's really hard. And because David loved God, even through his sin, God says, this is a man after my own heart. And so it's, that's so encouraging for us. And so if you don't get anything else, if you don't get anything else from this message, get this. The most important thing is that you love God with all your heart, all your mind, all your strength. God doesn't expect you to be perfect. Remember, our sin is no longer a barrier. And maybe there's some people here today, and you feel like you've blown it. You feel like your life, you've been digging a pit, and you're at the bottom of the pit. Maybe you feel like you blew your sobriety. You had 10, 20 years of sobriety, and you blew it. Or maybe you blew up your marriage. And you think, man, I had this great marriage, I had this family, and I blew it. Maybe there's some people here today, and you feel that there was a calling from God on your life for ministry or some other way that you were called to serve God, but you're like, I blew it. I messed up. The good news for you is no matter how deep the pit is that you've dug, it is not so deep that God's love can't get down there. And God's love can lift you up and God can restore you. God will pull you out of that pit and he'll set your feet on solid ground. That's what he does. See, there's nothing that we can do. There's nothing that we can do that will make God love us any more. And there's nothing that we can do to make him love us any less. He just says, I want your heart. I want your heart so I can do my work of restoration. And so again, if you're here this morning and you feel like you've blown it, what God is asking of you right now is, you know what, maybe there's all sorts of problems and things you got to figure out. But right now it's going to start with you saying, God, you still have my heart. God, I need you. Listen, I am so thankful for the ways that God has, has condescended to use me throughout the years, right? It just, it, it blows me away that he allows me to lead this church, that, that he will anoint and empower me as I'm serving him. And let me just tell you, it is not because I have it all together. It is not because I've achieved a level of holiness or that I'm perfect in any way. I sin way more than I want to. I mess up a lot. I still have issues. I have brokenness in my life, and it'll pop up in different ways. But see, if I take a step back and I objectively kind of look at my life, I think that God is able to say that Phil, with all of his flaws and all of the things he's, you know, that, that ways that he stumbles, he loves me. He loves me. I have sometimes people will say to me, you know, someone who's new to the church, I'll be like, I like, I like your talks. It seems like you really believe this stuff. And it's like, I do. Because listen, the reality is God's mercy and God's forgiveness and God's grace has saved my life, has restored my life. And there's, there's, I feel oftentimes like Peter when, when, the, when a lot of people were leaving Jesus because he was saying some hard things and Jesus looked at his disciples and he said, are you guys going to go too? And Peter said, where else am I going to go? And that's how I feel. God, where else am I going to go? Who has loved me the way you've loved me? Who has given grace to me and forgiveness and mercy and opportunities and second chances and tenth chances and millionth chances like you have? Where else am I going to go? 
And so I think God is able to say, you know what, all right, filled with all his imperfections and flaws, I have his heart. And that's what he wants to say about you. That no matter what's going on in your heart, that, that you love him no matter what. That you say, God, even though I've blown it, I still love you. I've tasted and I've seen that you're good. And as a result of that, God, all that I am and all the imperfections and all the flaws and all the stuff that still has to be worked out, you have my heart. And if you say that to God, if there's that yes in your heart to God, then you are considered a man or a woman after God's heart because that's what he wants. He wants your heart. He wants your love. And so love covers the third thing is this. Love reverberates forever. Love reverberates forever. What does that mean? It means that love goes on forever and ever and ever. That anything that we do in love, is something that's going to echo for all of eternity. Anything that you do in love is a treasure in heaven that's being laid up where rust and moth can't touch, can't get to it. And so we commit ourselves to love because it's the only thing in our life that's going to last forever. 1 Corinthians 13.3 says, Now these three remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. And one translation says, these three things will continue forever. And if you want the impact of your life to last forever, then love is what we're committed to because love lasts. Love goes on forever and ever. Everything else fades away. And I hate to tell you this, but you probably already know it. People are going to forget a lot of the things that you've done. Right? People, people want to be remembered. You know, I want to leave a legacy. People are going to forget your work. They're going to forget your accomplishments. They're going to forget the, the great school that you got in or the fact that you got down to 7% body fat or whatever it is. They're going to forget that. You know, even think about your own life. How many of you know the first names of your great-grandmothers? Maybe a couple, but most of us don't, right? And we know like, oh, that was great-grandma. I remember I was four and I saw her. But, you know, the reality is, like, they're your, you're their direct descendants. Like, it's only like two generations, and we don't remember. So the reality is, is that people aren't going to be remembered. Every generation, there's a few people who get a Wikipedia page or whatever, but, but we're not going to be remembered. But the reality is, is that God remembers. God remembers and says, if you make me and my love the center of your life, your impact, your life, your accomplishments is going to go on forever and ever and ever. Everything else is temporary. As a pastor, I've been with a number of people, when, either when they died or number of some people actually the moment that they died in a hospital, in a home. I've been with even more people who knew that their death was imminent that it was coming in a couple days or a couple weeks. And you know what? When I'm with someone who's on their deathbed, not one person, no one has ever said, Pastor Phil, I know that I'm going to die soon. Uh, bring me my diploma. Right? No one has ever said, could you, Pastor Phil, just wheel me to the, to the window. I want to look at my beautiful car one more time. I just want to see that lovely car that I have. That's not what people want, because in that moment, they realize what, what matters most. And so what do people want when they're on their deathbed? They want the people around them that they've spent their life loving, 
the people around them who've loved them, that's what they need because they understand there's a clarity that comes that says, this is what matters most. This is what is most important. And so my hope is that, is that we will all learn that, that we'll know that, that, that that'll just be confirmed. That won't just be something that we say, okay, that's a nice thought, but that we learn it now and we spend our lives sowing into what really matters because one day you're going to learn it. One day you're going to be on a deathbed and you're going to realize what really matters, what's really important. 1 Corinthians 13.3 uh, 3 says, If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Another translation says, the same verse says, I'm bankrupt without love. And so what God says is that a life without love is a wasted life. It's a worthless life. So why is it? I know you guys are nodding and you guys are like, yes, this is all true. But why is it that relationships usually get the short end of the stick in our lives? Right? We know that it's all about love. It's all about relationships. But it's so easy for us to put them on the margins of our lives. Why is it so easy for us to do that? And I think it's because we're overloaded. Because we've got so many other things in our life that, are, that aren't as important and that we don't have time for relationships. We don't have time for the people who are currently in our lives. We don't have the energy to start new relationships. We don't have time to deepen our relationship with God. And we do that because we get busy and preoccupied with things that are way less important. Listen, probably most of us are living an overloaded life and we're paying the price for it. We got too much going on. And so maybe, you know what, you're, you're not able to sleep at night because you got so much, your mind is just stirring and racing because there's so much going on. And maybe you're paying a price with your health that you have, you know, maybe you've got high blood pressure or you've got, you've got an ulcer. You're paying the price where, where you're, you're just not living in the peace that God has for you. There's anxiety, but there's another price that you're paying. An even greater price is what you're doing is you're skimming off all of your relationships. You're marginalizing your relationships. You're saying, I'm too busy. I can't meet all my obligations, so I'm going to skim on my relationships. I don't have time. I'm too busy. I have too much going on. I don't have time to be alone with God to get to know him better. I don't have time. I get home at night and I'm just too tired. I got to crash on the couch. I can't have a meaningful conversation with my spouse. Or I can't get a cup of coffee with that person that I need to reconnect with. Or I can't come to life group. So I'm going to cut back. I'm going to cut back on my relationships. And so we start cutting back and that's a huge mistake because life isn't about all the other things that are keeping us from relationships, right? The, the purpose, the meaning of life are relationships. And five years from now, that goal that you have right now, that goal that is just obscuring everything else, five years from now, that goal probably isn't going to matter all that much in the great scheme of things. It's certainly not going to matter 30, 40, 50, 60 years from now when you're on your deathbed. It's not going to matter. But what's going to matter is the fact that you've been skimming off your relationships and you don't have the level of relationship with God and others that you need. Because nothing in life is more valuable than your relationships. And we see all the time, we know from Hollywood, right? We just see all these people, these tragic stories, and they make movies. And I don't know if anybody, if anybody watched the, uh, the Johnny Depp, Amber Heard trials. or That was just, and it just shows us that you could have all the money in the world and all the fame in the world, but if your relationships aren't good, you're living a tragic life. You're living a wasted life. 
And so one day you're going to stand before God and you're going to give an account. And God's going to say, and as I always say, it's not about whether or not you can come into heaven because Jesus paid the price for you to come into heaven. But God is going to say, did you do on the earth what I put you on the earth to do? Did you do those good deeds that I prepared in advance for you to do? And all of those good deeds have to do with love. Did you become more loving? It's not how high up the corporate ladder you got, how big your bank account was, you know, and you know, your, your, how your fitness level. He's not going to ask, did you become a scratch golfer? That's for me. He's not going to say anymore. He's not going to say, did you lead a big church? That's not what he's going to be concerned about. What he's going to be concerned about is, did you love me with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength? And did you love the people that I put in your life? That's what it's all about. And so that's why we're doing this 40 days of love. Because if we're going to come into the abundant life that Jesus has for us, we've got to start thinking differently about relationships. You know, and the reason it's always 40 days, sometimes 50 days, is that's long enough for a habit to get established in our lives. I want us to live differently. I don't think there's anybody here who would say, yeah, no, love's not important. Relationships aren't important. But you know what? The thing of it is we can be someone who just kind of has our ears scratched and then kind of go off and we just forget about what we heard. We need to say, what can I do? What changes can I make in my life so that I can prioritize love because love is what matters most? And so my last point is this, the last fill-in, is that the best time to love is now. The best time to love is now. Galatians 6.10 says, therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. As we have opportunity. Will anyone here have an opportunity today to show someone love? Right? As we have opportunity, there are opportunities all around us. And so what the Bible says here is we need to prioritize that. We need to take advantage of these opportunities. So let me ask you a very specific question. Who do you need to show love to today? Who is it that trusting that maybe the Holy Spirit is putting someone on your heart saying, I want you to do an act of love for this person today? So when the service is over or you turn off the live stream and you get back to your house, maybe there's someone that you need to write a letter to. Remember, you know, writing letters, that's something like people, like they, people don't get handwritten notes anymore. It kind of stands out. So I, you know, if you're a recent first or second time guest, you know that, that I always send out handwritten cards saying thank you for coming, God bless you, praying for you. And, and the hardest part of my week is trying to have my handwriting be legible because I, I'm always afraid that people are going to be like, oh, I like that church, but why do they let a child write these cards? You know, I don't understand. But so maybe what you need to do is you need to write someone a letter. You need to take out a pen. Remember pens? You might be able to find one somewhere in your house and, and write a letter saying what they mean to you. Maybe there's someone in the hospital that you need to go visit. Maybe there's someone in a retirement home that's just kind of languishing there, feels forgotten, and, and you can go visit them. What, who do you need to invite over to your house for dinner today? Maybe there's someone that this week you can get something on the calendar. You can say, I'm going to make sure that my spouse and I, that we have a date night. Or maybe it's a matter of, you know, like you're going to say, I, I want the, the foundation of all this. It's got to be my relationship with God. So I'm going to put God first. I'm going to get up a little bit early tomorrow so I can spend some time with God and let him love me and I can love him back. Maybe there's, there's someone that you work with, 
someone that you're going to see on Monday morning. And this is a person that nobody likes to be around, right? We all have some people like that in our office. And, you know, maybe, hopefully you're not that person, but you never know. You might be to someone. But, but what we know is if there's someone that nobody likes to be around at the office, it's because they have a deficit of love. Right? It's because they're not feeling the acceptance of the love that God has for them, so it makes them behave in ways that kind of repel people. And so maybe what you need to do is you need to think about that person, and you need to go in tomorrow morning, and you need to say, I'm going to be the hands and feet of Jesus, and I'm going to see them, and I'm going to love them, and I'm going to care for them, because that's what God is calling me to do. And so what act of love is God saying, I want to get this on your calendar, I want to interrupt your life and show you these opportunities that I'm giving you to express my love. And my goal for this 40 Days of Love campaign is that we're all going to grow in this. And listen, my goal is that I will become more loving. I don't know about you, but I sometimes get a little frustrated with the lack of love that's in my life, right? I really need to become more loving. I need to become more intentional about this. My wife needs me to become more loving. My kids need me to become more loving. My friends need me to become more loving. My, my staff needs me to become more loving. You need me to become more loving. Because one day I'm going to stand before God and he's going to ask me, did I do the one thing he put me on earth to do? And he's not going to care about how big the North Jersey Vineyard got. He's going to care about whether or not I loved the people that were in my life. The Bible couldn't be any clearer about this. Galatians 5, 6 says the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself in love. The only thing that counts. And so I hope that that's what you want to. I hope that you're not satisfied with shallow relationships and shallow love and just going through the motions and making your life about other things when this is the only thing that counts. And so I hope we're going to make some changes that we're going to develop some new habits, that we're going to spend more intentional time investing in the primary relationships that are in our lives, that we're going to look for ways to do acts of love and acts of service, that we're going to be ready to start some new relationships, and that we're going to show extra love to the people who are hard to love. Because the heart of Jesus, Jesus is always for the lonely. He's always for the outcast. And so let's live our lives because we're his representatives on the lookout for people that God will bring across our path who need to experience his unconditional love and grace. And so we will have our eyes open. And when we see those people, when they come across our path, we'll say we are the hands and the feet and the mouth and the eyes of Jesus. And so we're going to allow him to love them through us that we will live differently because nothing counts, nothing matters, but that we, that we lay up treasures in heaven by loving God and loving the people around us. And so let me just, let me just end with this. Maybe you're here you know, this morning or maybe you're watching on the live stream and you agree with everything that I'm saying, everything that the Bible says and saying, yeah, I, I need to become more loving. But you see, here, here's the deal you're not going to be able to sustain this. You're not going to be able to live in the love that God has for you if Jesus and his love is not living inside of you. And so the, the truth of the matter is, the Bible says that our sin has separated us from God. Now, God loves you, but there's this barrier of sin that's keeping his love from flowing in your life. 
That's what Jesus' death and resurrection is all about. So that, so that that barrier could be removed, so that you could be filled with God's love. The Bible says that Jesus, he's at the door of your heart, the door of your life, and he's knocking. And so if, you're, if you are here this morning and you haven't given your life to Jesus, so you're watching on the live stream, that's Jesus knocking. That's Jesus saying, I know you want to live a different life. I know you want to become more loving. I know that you want to stand on a better foundation. Allow me, open the door of your heart. Let me come in and I will come in and I will, I will remove the barrier of sin and I will fill you with my love and my love is going to heal you. My love is going to restore you. My, life, my love is going to make life better. And then my love is going to start flowing out to all the people who are around you. And so if you want that, I want to give you an opportunity to open the door and let Jesus in. So let's pray for a moment. And if you're here today and you're ready to give your life to Jesus, just pray this prayer. Say, Lord Jesus, I need your love. I know that I don't have enough love. I need yours. And I believe that you're the son of God. I believe you died on the cross in my place and that you're alive and here right now. So please forgive all of my sins. I accept your free gift of salvation. Fill me with your love. Teach me to love you and to love those around you so my life can be about what matters most. Just keep your eyes closed. But if you prayed that prayer, just raise your hand. If you prayed that prayer. Okay, awesome. You put it down. I'm going to ask you to do one other thing. If you raise your hand, uh, that you, on the back of your connection card, that you check off that you decided to become a follower of Jesus. Or you could text follow to this number. And uh, then what will happen is we're going to send you some stuff in the mail. We've got this package of booklets and other things that can help you figure out what the next steps are. Because this, this life, when Jesus comes into our life, it's the first step of a journey. And so we want to help you know what some of the steps are as you're taking this journey. All right? And so we're going we're gonna to pass the offering basket right now. And so the baskets are underneath that last row along the wall. So those of you who are sitting there, look underneath. There's a basket. Pass it down. All right, and if you guys put your connection card in the basket as it comes by, if you have a physical offering, you can put it in there as well. And we're just going to close for a moment with uh, an opportunity for some ministry. We're going to have some people from the prayer ministry team. They'll be standing over here to my right, and they would love to have the opportunity to pray for you. Whatever is going on in your life, whatever your need is, maybe I think some of the things that God might want to do is maybe you know that there's a, there's a relationship in your life that's really tricky, that's really hard. And you're like, I don't know how to love in the midst of this. I don't know how to move forward. And if, and if that's you, maybe it's your marriage, maybe it's your kids, maybe it's a coworker, whatever it is, maybe it's your in-laws. Let somebody pray for you. Let somebody pray for you that God would give you his wisdom and that God would fill you with, with his love. Maybe there's some others of you. Let's all, let's all stand together. Maybe there's some others where you feel that that you're just not, you need to be reminded of the love that God has for you. That you've been a little bit angry. You've been impatient. You've been snapping at people. You've been, your triggers have been, you know, going off. And that what that is, there's red lights on the dashboard of your life. of God saying, I want to fill you with my love. 
right? When the anger, the impatience, the criticalness, all of that, when it stirs up, it just means that we need more of God's love inside of us. And so let's just pray together for a moment because I think God wants to meet us here. And so just close your eyes. And if you want, just open your hands like this, like you're receiving, some, receiving a gift because I think God has a gift for you. And so, Lord God, I thank you that you are love. The core of who you are is love. And God, we're made in your image. So in the core of who we are, we need your love. And so, God, I pray that even right now, that you would fill us with your love. Come, Holy Spirit. God, I pray that your love would come and just begin to smooth over the rough edges of our heart. Lord, we invite you to go into the places where there's wounds, where there's calluses. God, let your love flow right now. In Jesus' name. Some of you, have, you feel like maybe you've lived a life of rejection. That people close to you, important to you, they've rejected you. And so it's hard to love. You're afraid of putting yourself out there. But Jesus wants to say to you through, the, through his Holy Spirit, I will never reject you. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. The one thing that you can count on every single day of your life is that I love you. And so, Lord, I pray that you'd fill us with your love and that your love would be the strength of our life. And God, as we go in, as we leave this place and we go into all sorts of different environments, God, I pray that you would help us to be your ambassadors and that you would show us the opportunities that are in front of us to demonstrate love in your name. Lord, we give you permission to interrupt our lives even sometimes to make us uncomfortable, so that to take risks so that your love could flow through our lives. So come, Holy Spirit. Fill us. Meet us here today. And so, if God, if you want prayer for anything, we'd love to pray for you. Maybe you need physical healing. Maybe whatever it is, anything about receiving love, giving love, navigating relationships, whatever it is, we would love to pray for you. And I just, I just, <coughs> just feel God just give me kind of one more thing here to say. Because I think there's maybe one or two people here who you really do feel that you're at the bottom of a pit and you're just wondering, is there any way I can get out? And I just see this picture of, of, of Jesus just reaching down and just lifting you out of that pit and saying, there is still hope because I am with you. I will make a way when there is no way. And so, Lord, I pray that whoever needs to hear that, not from me, but from you, I pray that you'd speak to them right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, God bless you guys. Get to your groups this week and uh, have a great week and love lots of people and we'll see you next week.